Well, it's lovely to be with you this morning, and uh, I hope you can all hear me, and, uh, and then I hope you can understand me. There's two things you have to do, but uh, it is great to be able to come today and to share with you. And I must say, I feel the warmth of fellowship, and thank you for making me feel so much at home already this morning. Uh, yeah, uh, I do come from the West, but it's far West, and uh, you have to get on a boat, and uh, you even go further West. Uh, come from a wee county, County Armagh. It's uh, one of the border counties of Northern Ireland. Uh, grew up in that farming community. That was uh, the area I was brought up in, my farming background. And, uh, and it's also the Orchard County. Uh, so if you're into your apples, uh, there's the Bromley apple, which is uh, uh, grown there in that county. So uh, anyway, that, that was our background. I left there, uh, went over to Edinburgh to Bible College uh, quite a lot of years ago. Uh, when I was in my, my late teens. And uh, I suppose uh, after college, I spent most of my time uh, mainly in Scotland. And I'm still trying to get the accent. Uh, it just will not come. But uh, there was a wee man told me one time, he says, uh, never change your accent until you hear a better one. So uh, I've just decided to keep the one I have. Uh, but anyway, it is great to be here um, Married to Carolyn, I've one wife and two children, so that's the way it is. And uh, our daughter is uh, 19, she studies up in Aberdeen, and then we have a son called Kyle, and uh, he's 15. Uh, our son Kyle is profoundly disabled, uh, he needs constant uh, care, uh, round the clock sort of thing, but uh, he's been such a blessing. And, uh, and he has just opened up so many doors of opportunity for us in the medical world. We have witnessed to so many uh, at different levels uh, in, this, in the medical world, as I say, and, uh, and the doors has just been tremendous and the opportunities that has come our way. So we're grateful to the Lord uh, for his hand upon our lives. We live down at Newton Stewart, uh, if you're familiar with that at all. It is in Scotland, believe it or not. It's uh, down near, uh, it's on that road between Dumfries and Stranraer. So it's Dumfries and Galloway area and uh, work with the faith mission down there. We have a camp centre, so we run camps there and other groups come and use the place. And I also go out preaching and various things like that. So, so there we are, that's just a wee quick sort of background uh, to it all. We're going to read this morning from the Titus chapter 2, and we're going to read just that chapter uh, right through. Titus chapter 2. So there, at the end of the, the New Testament, um, you have it on the screen. Oh, that's good. Uh, if you do want to find it in the Bible, you'll need to get on across into the Old Testament. Uh, there you'll find uh, Thessalonians, and then you'll come on into Titus and, uh, and there in chapter 2, verse 1, we're going to read these words. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behaviour, 
not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may be may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Exhort bondservants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Saviour, in all things. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous of good works. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Amen. And we know that the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his own precious word. That's just a wee moment of prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you today for the, the wonderful privilege of being in your house. Thank you, Lord, for the company of your people. And we thank you, Lord, for uh, this opportunity this morning, Lord, just to gather around your word. And we pray, Lord, that you'll come and minister into all our lives. We thank you today, Lord, that it is your will to bless. We thank you, Lord, that it is indeed, uh, Lord, well within your capability to meet all our needs according to your riches and glory. And so we pray, Lord, that you will feed us with the living bread. And Lord, may we even drink today at the fountainhead. And may, Lord, our souls be nourished today as we just linger in your presence. As we sit at your table, we pray, Lord, that you will feed us today. And Lord, may we go away from here, knowing that we have been in the company of God and that we have heard his voice. And so, Lord, teach us then to know your will and Lord teach us to do your will and help us Lord to fulfill your plans in our Saviour's name we pray Amen Amen Well uh, I just want to bring a, a few thoughts from the, the portion here that we read together Paul is writing to young Titus and uh, he's given him some great advice and uh, it's always good to get help and advice isn't it when we need it uh, it's good to acknowledge that sometimes we know we don't always have the answers and we don't always have the know-how and sometimes we have to go to others and, and they, they've had an experience that they can pass on. And of course, that's exactly how it was. Paul 
Uh, he has been the, the helper and the mentor of so many. And indeed Titus falls into that category. And so Paul, he sought to give him good advice. One of the things that Paul says to Titus, the young man, he says, Hold fast the faithful word. Hold fast the faithful word. In other words, uh, stick to the truth. Uh, whatever you may be uh, forced to think about it, or whatever you may be pressurized into think of doing, never deviate from the word of God. And that was the advice uh, that Paul was giving to young Titus when he was setting out on his ministry. Hold fast. Don't give up the truth. You hold to it. Stick to it. Live by it. And God will bless you. And of course uh, he also gave him some advice there in verse 10. Uh, in chapter 2. Not pilfering but showing all good fidelity. That they may adorn the doctrine of God. In other words, adorn the doctrine of God. I remember uh, back in, in Northern Ireland when I was a young fellow uh, going and hearing a preacher preaching on that, adorn the doctrine, adorn the doctrine. And I was so young in the faith, I didn't really understand what they were saying always about it. But you know, it was just simply, wear the gospel well. Adorn the doctrine. Well, when you get up in the morning, you put on your clothes and... Uh, and you try to make yourself uh, respectable and presentable and all of that sort of thing, don't we? And so it's exactly the same when it comes to be an ambassador for the Lord. Wear it well. Let others see it, uh, that they too may want to have it. And that they might want to be clothed with the same garments of his salvation. And so there is, say, uh, Paul, there's so much that Paul was seeking to, to uh, give to young Titus uh, back in those days. Anyway, we want to just uh, press into chapter 2. And uh, there's three little verses. I call them a, a great trio. 11, 12 and 13. And uh, you know, Paul of course was, was trying to get Titus enthused about going out with the message. And, uh, and it's almost as if he gives him three things to hang his his coat on or his points on. In verse 11, he gets Titus to, to look back and he says in verse 11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared. So there's something here that uh, we need to look back to. And then in verse 12, it's something that happens today. In verse 12, it says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. When? In this present age. So there's a past in verse 11. There's a present in verse 12. And there's a future in verse 13. What a verse it is. Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. If there's a little trio that enthuses me, uh, it's those three little verses there. The looking back to when God appeared. How did it happen? Well, he appeared in the form of our Lord Jesus Christ. He came into this world. He was born in humble conditions. But he went to the cross. He shed his blood. He gave up his life. That you and I could be saved from our sin. And go to heaven when our Lord comes again. So there's, a, there's a, an appearing that has been made 
in verse 11. And what is that all about? To help us to do something today. Yes, verse 12. That we might live soberly, righteously, godly. When? In this present age. You know, sometimes we think, well, maybe if we'd have been born away in the 1500s, it would have been a lot easier. There wouldn't have been the same temptations. Maybe if we were born away back in Bible times, that wouldn't, there wouldn't have been the same evil and sinfulness. Listen, folks, there's always been a battle to be fought, and there's always been sin that has abounded, and there will always be temptation whatever age or stage you live in. And it so happens that God chose the age that you would be born into. And it happens to be today that we're here. It happens to be in this present age. And what does the Bible tell us to do? When to do it? It tells us to live soberly, righteously and godly today. Well, you know, if ever there was a day when we needed to live before a world that is steeped in sin... It is today, isn't it? Sin is certainly a burning, isn't it? Sin is a burning wherever we look. The sinfulness of sin is in our face day after day. But you know, the Bible says something about it. It says this, that where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And sometimes we only see the sin. And it's always sin that we seem to be filling our vision with. Now we need to see that. But let us today take courage, friends. That where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. There's a covering for sin today. There's grace that is found at the cross today. Even for the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. And so here is uh, Paul. He's instructing them to look to that day when Jesus appeared to bring salvation so that we could live in this present age a life that is godly and righteous and pure. And then we're to do something else in verse 13. Looking forward, looking forward, Looking for the blessed hope. Look at the words that is chosen here to describe the coming again of our Lord Jesus Christ in verse 13. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. My folks, that ought to thrill us this morning. There's a day coming. There's a day coming when our Lord Jesus will break through. There's a day coming when there will be a shout and there will be the voice of the archangel and the trumpet will sound and the Bible says that the dead in Christ will rise and we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds and what? And so shall we be forever with the Lord. Isn't it good to know that this isn't our, our resting place for all eternity? Isn't it good to know that it's down here we will not remain forever and ever, 
But it will be with the Lord in that place which he has gone to prepare. And I would just like to get you to think today, have you made preparation for this event that is being talked about in verse 13? Have you prepared for this glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ? He has already appeared in verse 11. But there's going to be a glorious appearing again. He's coming back again. So if we can believe that he came the first time, I trust today that you're believing that he will come again the second time. And the Bible says he is coming. And I trust today you're ready and you're waiting and expecting for that wonderful event that is going to take place. Now, that's those three little verses. Really, verse 14 is where I would just like to finish with as we bring our little thoughts to a close this morning. Verse 14 now, it leads on from those three verses previous. And it really is covering again what has already been said. And verse 14, we read these words, Who gave himself for us. Who gave himself for us? The one who came in verse 11, who appeared as a little baby, in Bethlehem, the one in verse 13 who is coming back again is the one in verse 14 who gave himself for us. That's what the Bible says. So he gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous of good works. I want to split the verse into two. And the first thing is this that I see. God's provision for us. And the second half of the verse is God's plan for him. So there's two things in this verse. The first thing, God's provision for us. I want to say today, folks, God's provision for us is not all about possessions. Now, I know the Bible does talk about those things. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what? And all these things will be added unto you. So, God does take care, doesn't he, of our physical well-being. God does take care of us. And he does meet our needs. And he does provide possessions for helping us to get through this scene of time. But God's provision for us primarily is not about possessions. It's about a person. It's about a person. And the person that is mentioned in verse 14 is the one who gave himself. Who gave himself for us. You know, if there's one verse that really does sum it up, it's John 3 and 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his one and only son. Another verse that sums it up. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. You see, folks, today, the one who gave himself is the very express image of the Father's glory. Our Lord Jesus is the express image of God's glory. 
who came into this world, who took upon himself human flesh, who identified himself with us in every way, tempted in every way, just like you and me. The only thing that set him apart from us is he was without sin. He was without spot. He was the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. But in every other way, he identified with us so that he could do what? He could go to a cross and he could lay down his life for you and for me. That's why verse 14 is describing the sacrifice of this provision of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us. So there is the person in the provision. There is the price of the provision. The price of the provision is this, that he loved me and gave himself for me. That was the price of God's provision. Paul in Ephesians in chapter 5 and verse 2 says, Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That was the ultimate cost of our redemption. You know, folks, there's not another religious leader ever give up their lives for their followers. But our Lord Jesus gave up his life so that he could have a people for himself that he could call his own. So that he could buy for himself a people redeemed with precious blood. So that you and I could be part of the family of God. Not another religious leader laid down their lives for their, their followers. But I'll tell you this. Not any other religious leader ever rose from the grave to offer eternal life to their followers. But our Lord Jesus, on the third day, he rose again. He has defeated death. He has defeated sin. He has defeated everything that would pin you and bind you and fetter you so that he could deliver you and set you free and help you to become a child of the king. He died, says the Bible, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. What a provision. What a provision. God's provision for us. The person of the, of the provision. The price of the provision. And then the last, the second half of that verse is, not only God's provision for us, but God's plan for him. What is God's plan for him in this verse 14? This is it. That he might redeem us from every lawless deed. And here is God's plan. And purify for himself. So there's something for God here. As well as something for us, isn't there? And what is it for God in the verse? That he might purify for himself his own special people, zealous of good works. What is God's plan for him? That he would have a people that are pure for him. That's God's plan. That's God's plan. God's plan is this, that the people that he redeems, that the people that he calls his own, 
might be good representatives, that they might adorn the doctrine, that they might wear it well, and that they might be pure for God in an impure world. You know, folks, we can affect the environment that we live in just by our daily walk with God. We can affect the families that we have been placed in just by knowing our Lord Jesus and allowing him to clean us, fill us, that we might be the representatives of God in our land and society. You know, when a, when a car is manufactured, Maya goes through so many different stages, doesn't it? And there's all sorts of robots and uh, they all do their job and there's obviously somebody there pressing buttons and, and along comes this vehicle and something else gets bolted on and then it goes on another stage and other things are put into it and all around it. But you know, when it finally rolls off at the end, it's still not ready and fit for purpose until something else happens. And this is what has to happen. It has to go through a major cleaning process. So that whenever you go and you see it shining in the showroom, it has been shone up, cleaned up, so that it can be made fit for purpose. And you know, folks, that's exactly what God has in mind for his children. That they may be clean for him, pure for him, so that we can be Purposeful for our God today. Not in some other day, but in this present age. You see, he became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So he wants us today to be clean for him. That's God's plan for him in this verse. The people that he has redeemed the people that he gave his life for, he wants them to be pure for himself. Uh, I have a friend who, he, he had a, a, a haulage company. And um, he was quite proud of his, of his lorries. And they used to run up and down the, the, the M74 from, from England up to, to Bells Hill or somewhere like that. Well, a load of Walker's Crisps and I don't know all what else. But anyway, those lorries every day went up and down that M74. And there they were uh, doing their job until one day one of those lorries was parked up in the hard shoulder. Well, that's not good, is it? There's no money to be made sitting on the hard shoulder. And that was never the intention for that big lorry carrying a 38-ton load to be sitting on the hard shoulder. So what happened was this. They called out the Scania mechanics and they, they arrived to where the lorry was and so they began to diagnose and try and find the fault or the problem why this thing was parked up. So after some time they eventually found the problem and they were able to fix it and then that thing went on ahead. But you know what the problem was? And this is it. There was a little speck of dirt that had got into one of the fuses and whenever they cleaned it up and put it back in, the thing started up 
and away it went. A little speck of dirt caused 38 ton to sit on the side of the road going nowhere. And you know, it can so happen in our hearts, can't it? When something is allowed to remain there, it can hinder our progress. It can hinder our usefulness. And we need to be clean, don't we? And thank God there's provision that has been made. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing of the Lord. Folks, it's in the verse, isn't it? That he might purify for himself his own special people. I think our time's flying on here, isn't it? And uh, I'm getting on here too. I'm nearly through, so just bear with me another minute or two and we're through with it. So what do we see then? God's plan for him. That we might be a people that are pure for him. That we might be a people that are possessed by him. Possessed by him. How do we see that? Well, it's there in the middle of the verse. That we, that he might purify for himself his own special people. Do you know what that verse is telling me today? That the people that have been bought, the people that have been washed, the people that have been forgiven, are to be God's own people. He wants them for himself. He wants you and I to totally belong to him. And that's why the Bible says our God is a jealous God. He doesn't want us giving our hearts to other gods. And there are other gods that are queuing up. There are other things that are queuing up for our attention. But he wants us to totally belong to him. Folks, that's our privilege today, isn't it? That we might give ourselves wholly to the Lord. That we might surrender fully to the one that has washed us. To the one that has bought us. To the one that has redeemed us. That we might give our lives totally over to him. You know, if you were to go out and purchase a, a house and uh, you go through the whole legal bit and then there comes a day you get the keys. And so you make your way along to your, your new possession and you're all excited. And you open the door and you go in and you go around the bottom floor and, and you're just thinking, oh, well, this is mine. This is mine. I bought it. And then you go up the stairs and you go into this room and that room and then you go into this room. And there's somebody in it. And you're sitting thinking to yourself, what on earth are they doing here? And they, they'll tell you, oh no, I'm renting this bit. Uh, this is mine, I've paid for this bit. But you're thinking, well, I bought the place. And I should have access to it in its full entirety. You wouldn't be too happy to think that somebody else is occupying something that you bought to be your own. And you know, folks, today, our Lord Jesus bought us. 
and he wants us for himself. And there can be many areas and rooms in our hearts that we can allow other things and to enter into. And he wants to have full access to every part of us. And he wants to claim ownership of you and me. He wants you for himself. So that's what the Bible says, doesn't it? That he might purify for himself his own special people. So here we see there is indeed a plan for God here. That we might be a people that are pure for him. That we might be a people possessed by him. And the last thing I'm going to say and then I'm finished. That we might be a people peculiar for him. Now if you get your old Bible out, the King James Version, that's the word that's used, isn't it? That we might be a peculiar people. Now the word peculiar can, well it is a different type of meaning sometimes, hasn't it? And uh, it can be a bit odd. But we are not to be odd for God, are we? We are to be a people peculiar in the sense that we are his special people. We are his special people. We are his prized possession. You know, there's, a, there's another verse that helps us to grasp this. And it says this, that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And you know what that word workmanship means? Masterpiece. Now you mightn't think that when you look in the mirror. And you mightn't think it when you look at yourself. But in the eyes of God today, we are his prized possession. We are his masterpiece. And so we are his special people. At the end of verse 14. We are to be peculiar, special for God. A people that has the peculiarity of integrity in a shady world. A people that has the peculiarity of purity in an unclean world. We are to be set apart, special for him. And you know, folks, we can have an effect on the environment. We are to be the salt and the light of the world. I'll just finish up. There was a couple went on holiday one time and they, they went to one of these hot places. And uh, you know it can be a bit awkward at night when you get into bed and you're not used to all this heat. And uh, they were struggling to sleep and they were tossing and tumbling through the bed. And then they were looking at the ceiling and they saw this, uh, this box up there and the one says to the other, I wonder would that cool the place down a bit. So she got him out to press buttons and see if she could get this See if they could get this thing going, air conditioning in the in the room. And so he went around and he pressed a few buttons, and the next thing this thing started to make a noise. So that was good. They get back into bed and they're waiting now on the place to, to cool down and maybe they could get a bit of sleep. But this thing kept making the noise. And it kept roaring and roaring and roaring. But you know something? It did not seem to be doing anything to the room. And when they were lying there, they began to think about that. You know, here's a thing that's making all the right noises. But it's having no effect on the environment. And you know, sometimes as God's people, we can say all the right things. 
We can make all the right noises. But you know, we need to be the people that is affecting our community. And we need to be the people that is the light and the salt of the earth. That brings a change. You know, what would this world be like if the people of God were lifted out of it today? My, it would be utter chaos, wouldn't it? It's utter chaos as it is. But when the praying people are gone, and the people that are living for God are gone, and the people that are trying to raise their voice for the word of God today, when they're all gone, this place will be a dismal, terrible place to be. And folks, today we need to be those that are still letting our voices be heard. We need to be pleading and praying for our land today, don't we? We need to be calling upon God on behalf of our neighborhood that they might taste and see that the Lord is good. And that's how the verse finishes, that we might be zealous of good works. So there's passion here, zealous. So let's get a wee bit of passion into us, that we may just live for whatever time we have left, that we might live for God, and that we'll see a work for God, for his glory, and that his will will be done. And we just pray this for the Lord's sake in these days. Let's say, sing our closing hymn, My Jesus, right, my